Hello, hello, hello. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone is doing well. This is just going to be an open Q&A. If you're new to me, my name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I'm a therapist, um, therapist, coach, author. I wrote the book, Oh Shit, I Think They're a Fucking Narcissist. And I help people who are in unhealthy relationships or help uh, healthy relationships. Uh, and I help people become more emotionally intelligent so they don't repeat the same patterns over and over again. Uh, and so as you guys are hopping in, let me know where you guys are located at. Let me know where you guys are from. If you're new to me, I'm in Dallas, Texas, uh, but I work with people all over the place. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of different content. I have uh, courses available in my bio. Uh, you can book a session with me. If you don't want to book with me, you can book with, uh, I'm partnered with BetterHelp. I don't work for BetterHelp. I'm partnered with them. So you can uh, book with a licensed therapist um, and take advantage of the exclusive 15% off um, offer of, off of your first month of therapy. So thank you guys very much for hopping in. Right. So, uh, so a lot of you are asking about my healing journey or, or not my healing journey, but about the, about a healing journey, right? Your own healing journey. My platform, you can actually see if you go back to a lot of you have followed me for a long, long period of time. You can actually see a lot of my healing journey, even since being on, on TikTok, you know, three or four years ago or whatever, the, whatever the, the number of years it was. One of the things, so people ask me about, like, why don't I create content about narcissism anymore? Because it started to tr re-trigger me, right? I started to notice, like, I'm fine here in the live, but I started to notice that the more I started to talk about it, the more that I started to create, you know, I have to, like, think about and I have to uh, put myself in situations that, uh, that I'm no longer in anymore. I don't have people like that in my life anymore. And so I started to notice that it was started to have a negative impact on me, right? That a lot of PTSD symptoms were starting to come back. I started to notice that I was looking at, uh, I was finding it in areas that I didn't normally find it in, right? I wasn't as happy anymore. I wasn't sleeping as well anymore. Uh, I started to notice that the, that some of the symptoms that I experienced, you know, whenever I was struggling with situations like that were, um, were starting to creep back up. And when I started to unpack, just like I, I just mentioned to you guys, I started to notice, well, there's not really a point for me to be talking about narcissism this often because I'm not, I'm not healing right now, right? In terms of healing from narcissistic abuse, right? And so there wasn't a need for me to be in that world as often as what I was. Uh, and you guys, and I, I tell you, I tell you guys this all the time, that you always have to protect your gateways, protect what you're watching, protect what you're listening to, protect what you're saying. Um, because if you are in a healing process and you're constantly talking about those things, and don't get me wrong, especially early, it's important for you to talk in the right spots, right, to your therapist, to, you know, in the right spots and safe places. Uh, but sometimes we just talk about it just continuously or we listen to it continuously like i said in the beginning you need it but then there, co there comes a certain point where it's like all right i need to just move on with my life right and uh and so i, I said all that to say that you know you can actually see my own personal journey just by going through my videos and see see that i was talking about this subject for a long period of time talking about narcissism for a long period of time now I'm like, I feel free. I can just talk about whatever the fuck I want. And I can, it's about comedy. I can do this. I created another channel talking about, um, I'm talking about, um, social media marketing and content marketing and things like that. And so, uh, give yourself permission to, uh, to move on. Right. A lot of times, a lot of times people 
kind of, I don't want to say stay stuck because it's not like, but they are, they struggle with going to that next stage in their life because they don't have an identity there, right? And because they lack an identity in another situation, they don't want to take on that new challenge or whatever. A lot of times that's exactly where, what you need to do for your own personal growth. Uh, is it normal to feel you don't want to be want to put up with anything but still want to be in a relationship? Yes, it is. Let me let me rephrase. It's common to feel that way after a toxic relationship, after you've experienced a toxic relationship. Um, but we have to understand a lot of times um, you know we're we think that the only way that we can actually protect ourselves is by staying out of a relationship. But a lot of times we really actually do want to be in a relationship. Um, it could be because trust issues. It could be because dating is exhausting, right? Dating is, is exhausting. It takes a lot of work. Um, you know, it takes a lot of money. And so I tell people to pace yourself. Um, and it's important to, to, uh, to go number one, go slow, but also understand that it's, uh, that it's going to take work. It's going to take time, but it's, it's very common to feel that way. Um, and, and so, um, but we have to be, re- we have to be very careful there because some of the, some of the symptoms of CPTSD is, t- so a lot of times we have to be intentional about getting, getting in front of people, getting to people, getting around people, even if that's just your friends or, family members, um, you know, until we feel more comfortable being around people. Uh, let's see. I wasn't in a toxic relationship, but was in a relationship with trust issues. Now I'm ultra sensitive to trust issues. It can happen. Yeah, it most definitely can happen. Um, and, you know, in, in a way, it's it's okay to be sensitive to trust issues, right? Because you want to know what you're getting into. You know, and, and and it might be that after your experience, that might be trust issues for you, might be a deal breaker. Here's something that people don't talk about enough, is that red flags, not all red flags are deal breakers. Some people are okay with, depending, depending on the level of trust issues, are okay with a partner who has trust issues and being patient working through those, those trust issues. Some people, it's a deal breaker for me. Right. Um, it, it just is. But for some people, it depends on the level of trust issues, because if that person now is, is controlling, that should be a deal breaker. But red flags actually need to be investigated. They don't necessarily all all red flags don't have to be a deal breaker, because the reality of it is, is that everybody's going to have red flags. Literally every single person you meet are going to have red flags in the way that we can confidently say and understand that is that we know ourselves, we have red flags, right? So we have, if we have red flags, everyone else is going to have red flags. And so it's important that during your pre-dating process, right? You heard what I said, pre-dating process. Not a lot of people are talking about that. One of the things that you have to do before you get into a relationship, before you get into a relationship, is that you need to kind of take an inventory for yourself of some of the things that you want to that you might be able to tolerate some things that you won't won't absolutely won't be able to tolerate right but understanding that you're not going to meet the meet 
the perfect partner. You're, you can't be the perfect partner. So what are some things <clears throat> that we can do that we can accept? So let me, let me kind of put it into layman's terms for you. So, uh, for, for everybody. This is, this whole pre dating or pre relationship process isn't a new concept. If you think about like any, any large purchases that we make, a house, a car, we have to prepare ourselves for it, right? We have to prepare a down payment. We have to save up. We have to, we start considering like what area are we going to live in? And, and once we choose that area, like do we want two floors? Do we want one floor? And we start kind of building in our mind, right? We start going on Zillow and we start figuring out like what maybe like what our price points are and that sort of thing. And then we eventually over a period of time get down to like a specific level of house. But then guess what? When we, even when we do find the house, we are kind of like, well, I really like this house but the bathroom needs to be updated or this or that. Like there's certain things that we really like about this house, but there's also some things that maybe we don't really care for, right? It's a little bit too far. It's about 15 minutes too far from where I want to be or whatever the case is. And we're, and you're going to have that type of experience with dating too. But the, but if you pre-plan before you start dating or pre-plan before you actually get into a relationship of the type of deal of type of things that you can tolerate as deal breaker or as a, as a red flag versus the things that are a deal breaker as a red flag. Um, it's going to make that process a lot easier, a lot smoother. Uh, I tell people to have like some breakup lines prepared, right? Um, one of the things I actually did a YouTube on this about how to break up with people appropriately. One of the things I teach people is to thank them, right? Thank them. Thank you so much for the last three weeks or the last three months or the last six months or whatever the case is, right? I, you know, uh, appreciate that. Had so much fun and name something that you had fun with, uh, at coffee or listening to music or whatever the case is. Um, but I just don't see this going anywhere, right? You don't have to, doesn't always have to be a toxic thing or like, you know, you're stupid or you stink or whatever. Just, you know, I just don't see this going anywhere. You know, I appreciate your time, you know, but, you know, for me, this is, you know, this is the end, right? And you end it and you and close that deal off. But I'm saying, I'm saying all this is that we want to be, we want to go into the dating scene and into relationships ready. And we want to go into the relationships prepared for all, for everything, the good, the bad and different. We don't want to go in too many people are going in like it's the wild west, unprepared, uh, not knowing what to say to pick people up, not knowing what to say to end things, not, it's just wild west, right? And so, um, everyone's just kind of going, gravitating to whatever feels good, sounds good, you know, on social media. And then everyone's just duplicating that. And guess what? It ain't working, right? It is not working. So y'all got me on a tangent, but let me see. Uh, how do you differentiate between major red flags and minor red flags? That's where you have to do an inventory on your own personal boundaries, on your own personal boundaries. Certain things, certain things are absolutely, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you tell me you're okay with this. It's an absolutely not, right? So control, abusive behavior, right? Whether it be verbal, um, verbal or physical or anything like that, or, or any sort of like intimidation um, should be absolute deal breakers. Now, here's the problem that a lot of people have. 
is that some of those deal breakers don't show up till a little bit later on. And this is the reason why I tell people to slow the fuck down. Because a lot of times you don't see the deal breaker. A lot of, it takes a long time to actually truly get to know somebody. You might not know that someone has a deal breaker until six months in. For a lot of people, that sounds like a long time. Once you've kind of gone through a healing process, you start to realize how short six months actually is. Right? Yeah, you may have had sex with them and this and that. But the reason why I say six months is short is that a lot of people, by the time they six months has happened, they've moved in together. They're already pregnant. They've already introduced each other's kids. They've already. And so, what you know, they've bought cars in each other's names, you know, that sort of thing. And then it makes it even more difficult to uh, to leave uh, once they've seen the deal breakers. And so they try to work through a deal breaker, but that's not going to work. And so um, so you have to. When, so going back to your original question in terms of your in terms of deal breaker, what's what are some deal breakers versus some minor red flags? You need to do an inventory on things that you can put up with. Some sometimes you might be able to differentiate yourself based on strengths that you're bringing to the relationship, right? And boundaries that you are already. Uh, ready to assert into the relationship, right? So I know that you know there's certain there's certain um, don't want to get too too detailed in terms of you know there's a really good book in terms of red flags, deal breakers, things like that called um, boundaries after a pathological relationship. Boundaries after a pathological relationship. So that is a really good book that that you can learn. Uh, that you can learn a lot from. It's a very short book, and it's also available on uh, Audible. So I think it's like an hour long on Audible, but that's a really good start for you guys. I ask myself if it never changes. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good point. Uh, if it never changes, can you live with it? And the other reason why it's very difficult, you know, everyone always talks about like what red flags are, but the reality of it is is that some red flags you may not have even like you may not have even articulated it. For example, I'm going to tell you a red uh, not only a red flag, a deal breaker that uh, I experienced one time. Um and I found out real quick that I was 100% correct about this person. Um I had, I was in a situation where someone lied to me about what their name was, you know, and we were on the first date and the, the name that they, that I was given initially wasn't their real actual name for a lot of people. And I, and, and to, and to be clear, I don't do online dating. So, um, so it wasn't like someone gave like a weird name or whatever to, you know, as a protection or whatever, what that wasn't the case. This was a straight up lie. And as time went on, right, when, and this didn't last long, but as time went on, and that was something that just kind of bothered me, that to me, before I ever experienced that, I would have never even thought that to be like a red flag or a deal breaker or whatever, because I had never experienced it before. And so the reason why I'm saying this is that instead of us coming up with a list of red flags, think about things that you would never tolerate. I don't tolerate lying, period. Right. So when that happened, I was like, what? Like in the back of my mind, like, what the fuck? You know, and so you instead of thinking about like coming up with like a list of deal breakers, 
come come up with like go through your uh, when when I you hear me say go through your inventory, go through your five levels of boundaries, right? That we have to set boundaries in five different areas. So we set boundaries, we set mental boundaries, like conversational boundaries. What are some things that you are willing to talk about versus things that you, you won't, you won't talk about, right? You'll, so just as an example, you can go through all of my content. You can actually see some of my, some of my mental boundaries, uh, mental or conversational boundaries. Some people call them conversational boundaries. I don't talk about politics, right? That's not happening. So. You might experience someone who that's all they talk about, right? They maybe they don't talk about it with you because that's your boundary, but that's a large part of what they do or a large part of the conversation that they have with their friends and family. So for you, maybe that's a deal breaker, right? And so um, then we have uh, so we have conversational boundaries. We have emotional boundaries, right? I don't tolerate. Um, emotional manipulation or um, people who make me feel bad for resting or, you know, things like that. And so you, so at, so you are, let's say you're dating someone and you notice um, that they are emotionally um, manipulative or they are verbally abusive towards like a waiter or waitress, right? That might be a deal breaker for you. Um, physical boundaries. Uh, I have a great story about someone who I worked with with their physical boundaries. So one of the things I, I, I work with people is to give a handful of boundaries before you go on first dates, before you go on first date, before you go to go out to meet with someone. You know, so she gave her her boundaries. She said, "Okay, yeah, I don't mind meeting meet, meeting out with you. I do need to be home by ten tonight because you know I've worked the next day or whatever the case is." Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to let you know up front, I don't kiss on the first date because I, you know, um, even though <laughs> we've been talking for a few days, I really don't know you. We just met online, blah, 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 right? All perfectly fine, all perfectly healthy boundaries. And so they went out. The first thing that he tried to do was try to get her to stay out a little bit longer. And then not only that, but also said, like, I feel like I'm dating like a teenager. You can't stay out past a past 10. Wow. What the, like, even though she told him right up front, right? And then even after she held that boundary, still tried to kiss her after the fact and was still like, I can't, I feel like I'm dating a teenager, right? And basically belittling her for these boundaries, right? And what I tell people is that when you set a boundary, what ends up happening is that their behavior after that are, is the data that you need to collect, right? So you're collecting data. And they're telling, they're telling on themselves on whether or not they're going to respect your boundaries, whether or not they're going to push your boundaries. That behavior right there, all the things that he said, we don't have to figure out what a second date's going to be like. We don't have to figure out if he's going to respect her boundaries in the bedroom or anything like that. We've already figured out that he doesn't have any good, healthy physical boundaries. He doesn't respect time boundaries, right? So... Those were the three boundaries, three boundaries, right? We have conversational or mental boundaries. Some people, they, those can go back and forth. We have emotional boundaries. We have physical boundaries. The fourth one is boundaries around your finances, right? So I know that a lot of people get upset by this, but I'm going to use um, men who I who, men who men who I work with as an example. Um, I tell them all the time to go on coffee dates, right? And that, I know that's a big thing on. 
the internet and on social media, not to go on, not to go on coffee dates, things like that. But most men who I work with make a, make a decent living. Uh, some of them, they, some of their financial boundaries, they, instead of going on a date in their nice luxury, whatever, right, they'll go on a date in their pickup truck, right, to not necessarily hide, and it's not to like present like a different person or, or anything like that, but to protect their assets, right? To protect, you know, because they understand uh, that they had to understand that, that they also now have a target on their back because of their finances and whatever, right? And so, um, so we have financial boundaries. Um, maybe we're not leading, maybe we're not going to the most expensive place with someone that we just met, right? Let, let's figure out if this person is someone who is, who is going to be respectful before? Because everyone's going to respect you if you have something to offer, right? Everyone's going to respect you if you if they know that you're a millionaire or whatever. Um, but that but you find out later on that that respect is, uh, goes away, you know, once they have you in their latches, especially if, if someone is toxic or narcissistic, right? So uh, instead of leading with that to try to win that person over. Let's let's slowly get into the relationship, right, and see and see how that works. So we have financial boundaries, and the last one is boundaries around your time slash energy. So time slash energy. The reason why that's kind of broken up into two parts is that time and energy are two separate things. Just because I have time available doesn't mean that I have the energy to exert. So let's say that I just got off of work and. The person I'm dating wants to hang out. I might be tired. And if I say like, oh, you know, I just got off work and I kind of want to chill tonight. And they say something like, uh, what do you mean? You don't have anything going on this weekend. How come you can't just blah, 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 right? Or whatever the case is. You don't understand energy boundaries. You don't understand time boundaries or, um, you know, or, um you know, if you, you and again, you, you have to understand the difference between time and energy because sometimes you might have the energy, but you don't have the time. So if you, let's say that your friend wants to, wants you to move, help them move this weekend, right? And uh, your son has baseball uh, and you only have like a handful of hours in the morning to be able to, you know, to yourself and this and that. Um, they're like, you know, hey, come help me move. It'll be real quick. Everyone knows that moves aren't going to be real quick, right? And, hey, listen, only, you know, you kind of go through a rundown, not that you have to, but let's say that you just, you went through a rundown of your day. Well, you got, you got two hours like available in the afternoon. Why can't you just stop by real quick and, and help us out? Like, listen, I just don't have the time. And so you have to understand the time, you know, understand all those, all of those boundaries, all five of those levels. And when you when you break those down, it's going to be a lot easier for you to kind of understand the difference between a deal breaker, the difference between a red flag, things that you can work on or work with someone, things that you're going to be able to tolerate. And then the other thing that I would say is to look back at past experiences, right? Things, certain patterns tend to repeat themselves in your life. So look back at certain times where people uh, have crossed your boundaries certain times people have been manipulative people have been mis have mistreated you things that they may have said how they have said them 
um, times that people have lied to you and gotten over on you or whatever the case is. And instead of us just chalking that up to people that everyone's toxic, everyone's narcissistic, let's let, let's let those now become learning lessons, right? That we now can take those and we can actually put them to use. They're now learning lessons. Because even though those things aren't our fault, it's 100% our responsibility to make sure that they don't happen again. But you still uh, like the information I give. If you go to the link in my bio again, uh, I have multiple, multiple different courses and memberships and things that that link in my bio as well. So make sure, um, make sure you check that out. Uh, how common is narcissism? Narcissism is common, not as common as um, what is happening on social media. Here's the reason why it's difficult to number one is difficult question to answer. Um, but the reason why people think it's more common than what it actually is, there's a lot of different things that people think are narcissism and actually aren't. So is narcissism a problem? Yes, it is. Is it more than what is said like the 5% or 1% or whatever that it says like on Google and like the, the, what pe the numbers that people typically quote? Yes, it's worse than that. 100%. There's no question about that. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of different things that people think are narcissism and aren't. And I see this all over social media where they'll describe a situation. I'm like, that's actually not narcissism. That's actually um, an anxious avoidant trap or that's actually this. And sometimes um, I'll actually hear something. I'm like, that actually was your poor communication in that situation or whatever. Like I actually saw someone tried to expose somebody, expose their ex or something like that. I saw this earlier, I, you know, and I try to stay out of stuff like this because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever, but I'll get into that another time. Um, and so they're showing these text messages and I'm like, oh, the only thing that happened here was you were dating a guy who set a healthy boundary and you accused him of gaslighting instead of respecting his boundary. Right. So a lot of times people will see this, will see disagreements. And because a lot of times people are lack self-awareness themselves and they don't know how to um, how to experience rejection, they take that. Uh, they call that. They'll just say that the other person is toxic, narcissistic, gaslighting or whatever the case is. Um, and then we also have to talk about all of the other cluster B spectrum disorder. Right, because some of them can look very narcissistic, histrionic personality disorder. Um, so I want to be very clear that borderline, even though it's on the, on the cluster B spectrum, it's not narcissism. And people who struggle with uh, BPD can get help. Oftentimes, when they when or if they do, uh, it works for them. I personally don't like borderline being on the cluster B spectrum, and I say all that because it's very common for people who are who are borderline to be with someone who is narcissistic. So if there's someone who is like that in, uh, in here, uh, I just want to make sure that you understand that there's a, there's a stigma, but if they are, if they are BPD and either undiagnosed or untreated, it can look like narcissism, sociopaths, right? So, and then here's the other, here's two other things that don't get talked about enough that, that can look like narcissism. But it actually isn't. Actually, I'm going to give you four other, other things. Autism, ADHD also can look like narcissism. Unhealed trauma, 
right? So maybe someone who has PTSD, someone who, uh, whether it be from previous relationships or from uh, oh, from uh, serving serving overseas. And the last thing is, guess what? Uh, victims of narcissistic abuse. Victims of narcissistic abuse, if unhealed, untreated, can come across very narcissistic in relationships. They can come across very toxic. They can be very toxic. Um, victims of abuse oftentimes become abusive. That's something that people don't want to talk about. Right. You know why? Because it doesn't sell. Right. I could care less if I sell stuff. Right. I, uh, I have other ventures, but that doesn't that that type of stuff isn't going to sell on TikTok and things like that. And people don't want to don't want to tell you the truth for, for I'm not saying that everyone's doing this intentionally, but uh, that type that type of stuff isn't going to sell. Right. Um, so it's much easier to convince and tell everyone that that their ex um, is likely narcissistic and you're not the problem or whatever. But I'm here to tell you that if you're in a toxic relationship and if you've been with a narcissist, whether they, whether they're diagnosed or not or whatever the case is, if, if you're, um, people who come to me, when they tell me that they're with a narcissist or toxic, uh, in a toxic relationship, you have to understand that both people in the relationship need to be healed, not just one. I don't care if you're the codependent in the relationship because codependency also, that's another one, can actually look very narcissistic and, and codependency can, be, can become very problematic even if the person isn't narcissistic on the other end. Um, so if you're with someone who's healthy and you're, and you're a codependent, uh, you can apply too much pressure on the relationship. And codependence also can become very control, very controlling in relationships too. There's actually a very fine line between codependency and narcissism, right? And I don't say that to scare people. I do say that to give you guys a sense of urgency, you know, to become, become self-aware of some of your own behaviors as well. So, um, <clears throat> great, great question. Do narcissists usually have lower IQs? No, um, they can they they range just like everybody else. They can have low IQs, they can have high IQs, they can um, be very intelligent, um, and they can also just not be so bright bright as well. Thank you guys very much. Uh, I'm gonna hop off. Uh, it is getting a little bit late for me. If you guys <clears throat> need any help? Again, I have um, some courses and memberships available linked to my bio. You can work with me. Uh, I have about two or three weeks available. This is the first time I've had a couple of weeks um, available in about 10 months, so make sure you guys take advantage of that. Um, <clears throat> the links to book with me are in my bio, um, and uh, so take full advantage of that. Uh, if you need couples help, make sure you book with BetterHelp. I don't do couples at all, um, and take advantage of the exclusive offer, 15% off your first month of therapy. What a lot of people don't know about BetterHelp is that it's not just all online. You can actually work with someone in person in your area too. So keep that in mind whenever you book with them. So thank you guys very much. Oh, I see Fort Worth, Texas. Good seeing you in here. Um, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do something with all my Texas peeps because we have we have a lot of people in here. So I'm not, I'm not that far from Fort Worth. So... Thank you guys very much. Um, I will chat with you guys tomorrow morning. You guys have a good night.